0: Welcome to Coaches on a Mission, the place for values-driven coaches who want to build a business that you're truly proud of. Okay, grab your tissues, folks, because today's episode is a bit of a tearjerker. And these days I'm in a bit of a crying mood, so I decided to rebroadcast one of my all-time favorite episodes. I am so impressed with Angela Vorpal. She's today's guest, and she brought so much clarity and vulnerability to the episode. I know her struggle is something that a lot of us wrestle with, so it was just an honor to coach her during this session. Now, Angela helps law students take control of their grades, yet mm, even though that sounds pretty simple, sometimes the process just isn't because Angela knows that Good grades aren't the true benefit her clients get. It's the stuff that comes with good grades, like opportunities and confidence, choices and freedom. So Angela felt some friction around how to talk about her work. She's also been wrestling with the same fears and inner critic stuff that we all deal with. Inside the episode, Angela and I uncover the parts of her that have felt undeserving or less than in some way and we worked to give those parts a voice so she can let them go. Our conversation was very moving for me and yes I still found time to talk strategy given the insights we gained when Angela went deep. If you ever feel like an outsider or if you worry that you or your work doesn't matter please listen in on this incredible conversation. Thanks for being here and I hope you enjoy it. you for coming on the show.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so ready and excited and also crazy nervous. So
0: (laughs) we'll see how this goes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I want to loop everybody in. So when guests come on the show to be coached, you fill out a quick questionnaire and the question is something very benign, right? Like how can I help you? It's really safe. But then there's a follow-up question, which is what obstacles inside of you could prevent you from accomplishing your goal? And that's what we've now decided we're going to focus in on. So thank you for like bringing all of yourself today. I think this is going to be so helpful for so many listeners.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I really hope so. I'm very excited to yeah get your feedback on it as well.
0: Sure. Great. So now that everyone's dying to know what it is, before we get there, you've been in the club now for about nine or 10 months. How's it going for you?
1: It's going really well. So I joined the club sort of in reverse. So I was very, very new to the online coaching space, online business space. I didn't even know that that was a thing before January 2020. And the only thing I had ever heard about online businesses or online coaching was that you need to launch a course. And Mm -hmm. so I started out launching a course, which I had absolutely no business doing. And so when I joined the club, that is the only thing I had done. And so it was really an amazing journey to break it down and start from basics and then go through the process the correct way.
0: Right. You know, I'm going to step on my soapbox here for a second because this is probably the most common ailment, I'll call it, that we see with new coaches coming into the program is, I have a course. Why is my course not selling? I have a course. Why don't I have a six-figure business? But first of all, if you don't have private clients, your course is probably not focused on the right thing. And if you don't have a list, you have no one to sell the course to. And anyone who's telling you that the secret to coaching success is to launch a course is lying to you. I feel so so passionate about that because unless you have an unlimited Facebook ads budget to just like gamble and mess around with messaging that path skips the the first two steps so You're not alone. I'm not yelling. I sound like I'm yelling at you. I'm yelling at the people who are telling you this.
1: (laughs) No, absolutely. It was so helpful because when I got into the Six Figure Coach Club, a big part of that is growing your private coaching business. And so I really had to ask myself, is this something I want to do? I already have the course. So should I just go all in on the course? And then I remember you saying in one of the calls, any coach worth their salt has private clients in some way and to some degree, because that's what keeps your feet on the ground. And I thought, okay, that is a really good point. <laughs> and I don't want to lose sight of what my, what my ideal clients or my students need. And right. I feel like that would be so easy to do kind of teaching from a 30,000 foot view, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. So, all right. So now that we've made a bunch of enemies with our <laughs> strong stance against courses, <laughs> Amazing. what do you want to walk away with from our time together today? I would
1: love to feel completely excited, passionate, and confident in what I'm coaching and who I'm helping without sort of the shadow or the judgment of all of these secondary external sources and thoughts. Mm-hmm. saying that it's not enough, not good enough, and definitely not important enough to be pursuing.
0: So what I hear you say, and we need to set a different bar here, Angela. <laughs> I know, I was
1: just thinking that's an impossible, right? impossible bar. Well,
0: here's what I've, I'm coming to terms with. Because I, last year, I felt very, the word I used to describe it as itchy, where it's just like, not comfortable. I'm not quite sure why. I don't really know what needs to change, but something isn't fitting here. I was really in that place talking to my husband. And I was like, I'm just not living up to my potential. And he was like, go to hell.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Your husband's amazing. (laughs)
0: You're the most successful, ambitious person I've ever met. Like, what are you talking about? And yet like my bar was different than his bar. Right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I
0: share all of this, to say that if we are goal-oriented, committed to growth, and committed to service, I don't know that we're ever going to be completely excited and confident about our offer and never affected by self-doubt or the negative opinions of others. That's just not realistic. I love that you just said that. I think that's so
1: sort of not only helpful, but just also kind of soothing because I think it needs to feel perfect sometimes where it needs to feel like the most amazing thing you could possibly be doing on planet earth with your life and the time you have right now. And I think that that to your point is possibly more destructive because who could ever consistently live up to that all the time every day.
0: Right. And even when we're doing our divine, if you will, purpose. When we're living that on the planet, there are days where you still have to sit down and pay your bills. If if I want to have a business, I have to log into Wells Fargo. I have to pay my bills. That's not my favorite thing to do. And that doesn't feel awesome. And that's not aligned with my purpose. So those of us who are committed to growth, we need to cut ourselves some slack. But isn't perfectionism an easy way to hide? It is. And I think for me, the way that I've been getting
1: around it is I'm telling myself I'm still showing up. I'm still being visible. I'm still making videos. I'm still posting. I'm still doing all the things. And so it's not affecting me. So it's not a problem where what I think and the reason that I wanted to be here and talk about this is because when I was just asked that simple question of what's holding you back, it just came pouring out of me. So obviously it is something that is either at the back of my mind or the forefront of my mind every time I make a poster, every time I make a video, which is, okay, that was great, but is that is that really the thing you want to be doing? Is that really the focus of your professional life? you know, and that it's just it's exhausting, right? Just fighting that every day.
0: Yeah. So even though you're taking the action, you're expending what I hear you say is so much more energy and emotion than than is healthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the other way I've seen it show up too is now that I'm kind of thinking about it and talking about it is that I sort of have this thought in my mind, well, I'm not really that big right now. I don't have an enormous audience. And as long as I just stay sort of in this smallish realm, it's not going to be a big deal because not really that many people are even going to see it. And so as long as I don't get too big, then I won't be known for this thing. And my name and my face won't be associated with this thing. So it's really not a problem, (laughs) which of course, like just inherently stunts growth immediately.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because then you have a competing intention here, which is you got to stay small, right? To stay safe. And then- Yes. Serve your business. All right. So can you fill us in a little bit more? Let's give everyone some context about your business itself. And then I want to hear more about the stuff that came pouring out of you when asked the question about what stands in your way.
1: Sure. So I'm a law school coach, and I help law students get good grades and get hired, which is a very new dream client power statement. And I've been battling with it quite a bit because one of the big sort of frustrations, I guess, and and probably points of shame for me is that I feel like what I do is very basic. I feel like it's very low level. I feel like it's very unimportant, unimpressive, not prestigious. And so the way that I view it is that the way that I want to view it, I guess, is that I'm helping law students use law school as a tool to build the life they want. So it's it's people don't go to law school just to go to law school. Of course, they go to get a job, earning potential, a life that they love. But what I'm doing in order to help them do, that feels incredibly basic, which is get good grades, right? Mm-hmm. And in the legal industry, and I'm sure in other industries as well, there is a huge absolute focus on prestige and hierarchy. And I feel myself doing it all the time where I will meet another lawyer or I will interact with somebody in the industry and immediately rank myself. Am I better than them? Am I worse than them? Where do each of us fall on the hierarchy? And a lot of that is, where did you go to school? What law firm did you work for? What are you doing now? Kind of like, who's more important? It was so innate that I didn't even realize not only that it was happening, but that it has now completely... Taken over my thought process when I transitioned to being a coach. And so now that I'm a coach and not a practicing attorney anymore, it's like I have plummeted to the bottom of that totem pole and that hierarchical system where I'm the lowest of the low because I'm not practicing right. And not only that, I'm not even coaching lawyers. I'm not coaching lawyers. I'm not coaching partners. I'm not coaching C-suite executives. I'm coaching law students. So it's even lower. And the other thing I realized the other day was. Not only am I coaching law students, I'm not even coaching them on something really impressive like grit or leadership or emotional intelligence or authenticity. Like all of these words you hear a lot these days, which feel way more impressive and way more prestigious than what I'm teaching, which is like how to study. And it sucks because I know how important that is. Like I know what doors that opens and what opportunities and like how stressful it is not to understand these things. And so I'm just battling with myself Because I know this is a need and it hasn't been met and it's not being taught. But then this other part of me is just constantly just how could you be teaching, A, teaching at all? Because of course, the mantra, those who can't do teach. So that comes up all the time. And then two, like, how could you be teaching something so basic and lame and unimpressive?
0: Got it. Thank you for just being honest. It's really helpful. And I relate. I relate. I want to get clarity on a couple of pieces here. Number one, this hierarchical system, I heard you talk about it, and I found myself sitting here nodding my head like, yes, I can really see that that is true in that industry. So how much of it, of what you shared, is the truth, right? And we can get into a whole conversation about what truth is anyhow, right? But let's keep it simple today. (laughs) And how much of it is the story that you've made up? And can you even tell? So that's
1: a really good question because part of me knows that these thoughts are destructive, harmful, not even real because nobody cares what (laughs) anybody else is doing. Nobody has time in their day to really care that I am a coach and I'm not a practicing attorney. So, you know, my rational brain knows that. Mm -hmm. And so then I kind of went the other direction where all of these thoughts are, you know, completely unfounded. But then there was a part of me that thought, well, it's not entirely untrue because I know that I do it. I still find myself doing it. And the kind of the other piece of this, I guess, is not just my presence on social media. But now what I've realized is one of the things that I wanted to start doing was reaching out to law schools and reaching out to pre-law programs. Programs and universities to start talking to their students. And I know what's going to come up is do you have the credentials to be able to talk to our students? Like they would immediately look at my LinkedIn profile or my resume or whatever they're requiring. Like, where did you go to school? Where have you worked? What have you done? What coaching, you know, certification do you have? Which is none. Yeah, it's not zero. It definitely isn't zero. And so then the next thought was, oh, okay, well, if I just. I just have to blow up on social media and get hundreds of thousands of followers. And then that other stuff won't matter. Um, And it won't be about prestige anymore or qualifications and certifications anymore. But that's not entirely true. So that's a long way of saying that probably like maybe a 30, 70 split or a 60, 40 split where it it is playing a role, but probably the majority of it is my narrative in my own head.
0: Okay, so it sounds like there is definitely a value placed on prestige, and a very concrete way to measure prestige, right? Scores, the type of school that you went to, who you worked for, certifications, or look, randomly a bunch of social media following, which is like the biggest pile of Bull crap ever, but right. <laughs> yes, so you can either have so all of these credentials or none at all. That's how we do <laughs> right? So that does play a part, but it sounds like it's hard for you to distinguish the facts from fiction, right? So here are the facts, and the facts are a lot of in this field, people value prestige, and then the fiction comes in, which means I have to do this or that, and here's what they're going to think of me, and who am I to even okay? Got it, good, absolutely, yeah. I just have to ask this question. Are you doing what you want to be doing right now? It's okay.
1: Sorry, I just had to take like yeah. 15 whole seconds to answer that.
0: Yes. You are. Tell me. And it's okay to go there, right? Because you're being, for our listeners, like you're very impacted by that question, Angela. And what that tells me is you're either totally doing what you want to do Or the strong feelings are coming up because you're not. So tell me more about why this is so meaningful to you. So the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. I am doing
1: what I want to do. And I think what's coming up Mm -hmm. because of that is that I feel like I am letting myself down, Mm -hmm. that I'm taking the easy way out, that I'm giving up that I couldn't hack it, that I'm throwing away skills, talents, abilities for something that's not nearly as important or impressive. And I just had no idea I thought that or felt that way at all. I just, I didn't know. And what's crazy is that I chose this. It's not happening to me. I could go back and practice law if I wanted to, but I decided I wanted to do this. And not only did I decide I wanted to do this, finding this and committing to this coaching business was the result of two and a half years of self-discovery and self-development, and asking all the questions and and interning and volunteering and reading all the books and all the like. I did all the work, and it brought me here. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that still isn't enough, or it still is still not as not as important as what somebody else outside looking in would think. Which is just not only so crazy, but also so frustrating that I didn't even realize that I had completely bought into that mindset.
0: Yeah. yeah. I so understand. It takes so much. You mentioned the word grit earlier, but grit and bravery, all of the things, right, to A, take the time to listen to ourselves and uncover what it is we really want to do, and then B, give ourselves permission to do that. It's a big freaking deal. And most people don't—those of us who are fortunate enough— right? Blessed enough to have a life where we even get to think about things like that other than survival. Most of, like a lot of people don't make that full commitment. And you know what? It's not a commitment you make once and it stays. It's almost as though you have to re give yourself permission every other Thursday and recommit the day after that. So I just want to acknowledge you because you've done some really important work here. And it just almost seems like there's this residual part of you, this residual judgment that isn't really yours, but you've taken it on. And that's the piece that makes this work feel harder for you.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, and it's so interesting because my brain could think of this as a, in a totally different way. I mean, the picture you just painted is so beautiful and it could very easily be, you know what? You left something that you enjoyed and, and you were good at it, but you wanted to see what else was out there. You did that, you did all the work that goes along with finding the thing, and then you did the thing. Like that could be a story and a narrative that is so impressive and, and empowering. And and I don't for whatever reason, me or my brain doesn't choose to see it that way. It's seeing it as a almost a failure, which is so crazy mm-hmm. because like building this business has been so challenging and so, you know, so many learning curves to to master and then also so much fun and, and like all the things that you would want out of life. And this voice is just kind of like, well, it's never really going to be enough. So I hope you know that.
0: <laughs> right. 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 Oh My goodness. You're reminding me of this comes up, like, every third episode, right? But in a former life, I was a business coach for actors. That's actually how you and I know each other. Through yeah, business. we do. <laughs> and I would speak to so many actors who would decide to leave that professional pursuit. And often, it was what they really wanted— right? Truly. And to look backwards at the time and the money that was spent and this idea of, what I want to book a big job and then I can quit. So I'm leaving on a high note. Like all of that kept them trapped in this purgatory of knowing they didn't want it anymore, but feeling obligated to continue the pursuit. So tell me about this part of you that cares a lot about prestige and being impressive. So,
1: I think it comes probably from a couple of places.
0: So, one,
1: just growing up and throughout my whole life, the bar was always. Perfection, And not in any way forced upon us by our parents, but I think pro- I have three sisters and I think probably part of it was just, you know, natural competition between us and 99 wasn't good enough and 100 was the goal. And so I think probably part of that has to do with it. And then also when you go through law school, straight through college, like I did, there is a very clear path and it's, you know, get great high school grades so you can get great college grades, so you can get great law school grades so that you can get the job and, you know, you get onto the... um the conveyor belt, and um, and the thing was, I I loved it. Like I loved school. I loved doing well in school. I loved the job. Like I loved all of those pieces. And so I think maybe maybe there's a part of me that doesn't want to let it go because it <laughs> served me so well for so long, and mm-hmm. and it made for a really amazing life in a lot of ways. And and so maybe that's part of it. And then maybe the other part is yeah. So maybe it's I win. In that game, like part of my brain's thinking, well, like if we keep this framework, this is good for you, you know, this is helpful. And then completely conversely, the other side of it is that it, it actually doesn't help because when you get into... There's like different tiers in this like legal industry framework. But basically, like once you get into that world, there are, for example, the top 14 law schools, then you have like the top 100 firms. And those weren't even on my radar when I started because I went to law school in Texas. I didn't know anybody who went to Ivy League schools. It just it didn't even affect my life. And then when I graduated from law school, I worked for a federal judge, which is just this amazing job that a lot of people don't get an opportunity to do. And for the first time in my life, I was surrounded by people who had graduated from Harvard and Yale and Columbia and Stanford. And it just I think it kind of shook my worldview a bit to think like, oh, my gosh, there's this whole other echelon of person out there that is so insanely impressive and intelligent and incredible that you can never touch and you could never get there even if you wanted to. And I think that probably planted the seed of, yeah, like no matter how happy you are at your job, no matter how amazing a lawyer you are, you're still second tier. And maybe that, I can't see how that didn't continue to impact my life, you know?
0: So even when you're making decisions based on what you really want to do, that voice comes in and labels it as failing or quitting or n- not measuring up. Got it. Got it. You said something that's really interesting to me. You said your dream client power statement, right? I help student or law students get good grades and get hired. This whole story you just shared was about like getting the good, a 99 wasn't good enough. A hundred was good. It was all about getting good grades. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you are at a place now where grades do not matter. You're looking back at your life and realizing, are you kidding me? Like, Where I am today, happy and fulfilled, doing what I want, those grades aren't the thing that got me here.
1: Yes, that is true, but I I will say that kind of speaking to that point of how it did serve me, like it did create amazing job opportunities that I absolutely loved. And so yeah. I don't I guess I don't want to discount them, but yes, that is true that now I don't need them at all. And what's funny is, and I said this recently to some of the coaches in the 6-figure coach club, but one of the reasons I love being a part of this online community and this online coaching world is because prestige doesn't enter into it at all. Never have I ever Mm -hmm. had a conversation with an online coach that asked where you went to college, what graduate degrees you have, what certifications, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. All they care about is do you help the people you're trying to help or not? And like, that's such a mind-blowingly simple and amazing approach to life Mm -hmm. where nobody asks you those questions.
0: Right. So I just wonder how, and I, I could be barking up the wrong tree here, but what's the relation between the importance you, so we're putting the, the positive benefits of the focus on grades and achievements aside. And we need to bring it back in because I know for me, sometimes I am afraid, like if I do too much inner work, I'm going to lose my edge, Right. I don't want to lose the, my ambition, so yes. I'm working on that too. But setting that stuff aside for a moment, like, what is the thing that's not aligning? What's the relation between your experience with grades and prestige and the rub you have now on it's not important enough that all I do is help law students, the lowest on the totem pole, get grades, which isn't even getting hired? Like what, what is that? I think that maybe it is such... And
1: part of me thinks that maybe it's such an innate thought process or an insanely high bar that I set for myself that it can never actually be reached. Because I was thinking the other day, okay, I say that I feel this way because I'm coaching law students. I I say that I feel this way because I'm coaching them around grades. So let's say I was coaching them around leadership skills or emotional intelligence. Would that be enough? It wouldn't. If I were coaching lawyers, would that be enough? It wouldn't. If I were coaching C-suite executives, it still wouldn't be. If I were a partner at a law firm, it probably still wouldn't be. And so like... It might not even be, you know, now that we're having this conversation, like it might not even be the coaching thing. It might just be that I can always find evidence that I'm not living up to my potential or that I'm not doing the most impressive thing or that somebody's beating me or somebody's doing it better. And yeah, I think that that might be a big part of it.
0: So if you're comfortable, let's just lean into that a little bit. I'm going to close my eyes just so I can really focus. That part of you that needs to feel like you're not meeting your potential, that part of you that needs to feel like you're in the middle or on the bottom of the totem pole, if that part of you could speak to us right now, what would it say? And we can do some sentence completion if you need help. It would probably say
1: something along the lines of, I just want to make sure that you're not wasting a single Second, doing something that's anything less than what you're capable of or what you could accomplish if you put everything into it. And so it's almost like a, it's not angry. It's almost protective. Like, I have to keep talking to you because we got to make sure that this thing is the thing and that you are not wasting, yeah talent, potential, skill sets, abilities, whatever they are that you've been given, and you're not allocating them improperly or inefficiently, Mm
0: -hmm. even for a second. So we'll stay plugged into this part of you, right? If I waste my talents, my abilities, my focus, if I use them improperly, then? Gosh, this is going to sound so
1: intense, but your time on earth? Yeah. But it's so crazy to me that the conclusion of that thought process would be go be a lawyer, which easily, easily, I could come up with all the reasons why that's not the most mm-hmm. beneficial or impactful way to live a life. I mean, I, I loved it and I have the utmost respect for my, my friends who still practice it. And I think I would have fun doing it still to this day, but I don't think that wins in an argument. For myself, at this point in time, that that's something that's a better use of of time and ability and and energy, you know.
0: Yeah, but this—I don't think this part of you wants you to be a lawyer. This part of you wants you to like leave it all on the field before you die. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> that asshole middle school dad. Way <laughs> too into the kids' basketball team. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true.
0: Yeah, and this part of you has served you, Angela, so well.
1: Yeah, it really has, and right. that's. I think that's the problem. I mean that's
0: <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah, well, that's I now coming it. up. I get it. I really get it. Okay, so if I waste my time. Like uh, in the wrong career pursuit, my life essentially is a waste. Yeah, and this part of you doesn't believe that you just inherently, right, are worthy enough. And it feels good to accomplish things, and it feels good to help people, and it feels like all, there's all of that piece too. Where it's where it gets really foggy, right? <laughs> Because there are so many benefits, but now it's, my sense is you're just working way harder than you need to be to at, not to, but at not being happy with what you've created.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. That's, it's incredibly true because I will, I will find myself checking my level of excitement. Like, okay. Like I'll be excited when when I'm in it and I'm like either I'm coaching or I'm on a call or making a video. And then the voice will immediately say something like, okay, you can like tone it down a little, like you can be excited about it, but it's not that cool. of a thing that you should be that excited about it. You know, it's like just constantly trying to keep it in check with like the level of awesomeness that it is or isn't.
0: Right, right. Which is to keep your eye, like keep your eyes on the prize. Here, there's more work to do. Wouldn't it be great if you could just build your business focusing on your strengths? I see too many coaches struggling to fit into a certain mold, and they ignore the easy path. So let's put an end to that. What I want you to do is go to dallastravers.com/quiz. I've put together a 45 second superpower quiz designed to reveal two things. Number one, the very next step in your business, whether that's list building, client attraction, or scaling with a course. And number two, the natural strength you possess to help you accomplish that task. When you get your results, you'll also get a custom built toolkit with actionable items you can put in place right away to finally make this growth path simpler because you're doing what you do best. So the link again is dallastravers.com quiz. Go and check it out and then let me know on Instagram how you scored. Boy, this is such a strong skill that you have cultivated over the years. Protectionism. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if we were to give this, assign a different job, and let's just be honest, the, we don't get to just assign it during a podcast episode recording and it's <laughs> fixed. But this could be a way in here, all right? If we were to assign this part of you that is so freaking good at motivating you, at keeping you humble, keeping you focused. If we could give that part of you a different Priority or a different job. How could that energy be more useful?
1: I think in an ideal situation, mm-hmm. I would love to assign it the job of instead of trying to impress people I used to work with or used to work for, and instead give it, I don't know if it's a numerical goal, but coach as many law students to their potential or to, I don't want to say dream job because I don't like that phrasing, but to, to begin the life that they want this law degree to give them. And it's almost like a numerical value. Mm -hmm. Then maybe it can like reassign the, the energy of like being destructive and instead say, okay, this is our goal. So we, we have to Be excited and energetic about this because there's no other way to hit a 100 or a 1,000 or a million or whatever number you want to assign to it.
0: Okay, so a reframing here where up until now, the success metric has been the certificates on the wall or what others think of you. And now the success metric is the number of law students you touch. Yeah, and what's so interesting about all of this and
1: talking about it is that One of the things that I realized that I was really passionate about and excited about, which is like so ironic, I guess, which is because the legal industry is so obsessed with prestige, I wanted to show law students how successful you can be without going to those crazy high-ranked schools or without getting a job in an extremely well-known firm. And because because the dichotomy is so drastic of either you go to a top 14 law school and a top 100 firm, or you're basically in the void of nothingness and your law degree doesn't even matter and you being a lawyer doesn't even matter. Like that's how stark a contrast it is. And so I love the idea that if I could get past this obsession, internal obsession with prestige to like really be super like beautiful and authentic and excited about showing them like, it's almost more—not even more impressive, but like more exciting—to come from sort of like a, a smaller, more humble place and then like blow up in your career and in your life, whatever that looks like for you, almost as an underdog, which is like such a more powerful position or place to be, you know. And so, I—I I would love if I could, <laughs> if I could lean into that for them and not have it have to be about all the rankings all the time.
0: Okay, I'm my marketing. <laughs> the marketer in me wants to talk for a minute. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Ooh, here's a strategy for you. Um, okay. So number one, I love that we can essentially gamify this for you or reframe what success looks like. So that's, that'll be the first step for you as homework from this conversation is what do I need to do to really embrace what my definition of success in this business looks like? Taking yeah, okay. that further I think there's so much room here, Angela, in your messaging to talk to the underdogs, right? Like what if you actually took pride in your marketing and not in serving law students who are not in the top 14 law schools and creating, I wrote down, create this cause, right? Because forget about the system, right? There's this hierarchical system and what you want to do is help every law student, get good grades. And I think we need to get rid of get the job and change it to like, and be happy anyhow.
1: Yeah. Like something about somebody, one of the coaches mentioned something that they use in their language, like empower or mentor, which feels so much better than, than sort of, instead of just making it like a, almost like a tutoring mission. Like that's what it kind yeah. of sounds like when I say yes. good good grades. And so I think it needs to be, I would like to to add in some kind of language about, yeah, m- mentorship or or building the life you want where it's not unclear how the steps to take to get there. Right. The where it doesn't time. get
0: too fluffy. Right. right. So I would love for you to, as a second assignment here, maybe third, I can't keep track. <laughs> can you write or record make real for yourself a day in the life of your dream student, right? Like a law student who's going to a state school somewhere, right? And what a day in the life right now, but also a day in the life when they graduate, like what it is they really want. There's so much room here for you to actually niche down and focus on underdogs. And then you get to Talk about how pres- like you can take this anti-prestige stance. Because that's think, what you've done here. And I think the <laughs> what for you is, that's the life that you're living and you're really happy with it. And you've been brainwashed, <laughs> right? To believe that something's yeah. wrong because of that.
1: Yeah, like something's perpetually missing. Yes. No matter what life you live. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that a lot. And it's it's so funny because we were talking before this call on the on the Mark and Jenny coaching call, which was fantastic. And one of the things that, one of the questions they asked w- was, why do you enjoy the work that you do? And one of the things that came up for me and everybody was putting things like, you know, I love making people's lives better. And I, I love seeing my clients happy and fulfilled. And it was funny because the first thought that came to me wasn't, I like helping law students live their dream life. Like that is a nice benefit, side benefit, but the thing that makes me motivated and that I enjoy is like sticking it to the system. Like yeah. I'm so annoyed that mm-hmm. this system continues to exist and we continue to accept it. And one of the best ways to sort of disrupt it is through putting yourself in positions where you can you can get these jobs, even if you didn't go to these particular schools. And so it was like a very institutional based motivating factor. And then, yeah, like uh, helping people live their best lives is like this great side benefit.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. But sticking it to the man sure sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's so much room here for, I'm just thinking about all of your messaging. If it came from that stance, right. Of forget about prestige, like being disruptive. Right. I think There could be a lot of healing there for you, but also from a marketing perspective, that's a voice that needs to be heard.
1: Yeah. And I think, and here's, I think here's a little bit of the difficulty of it because I agree with that. And I think that message does need to be out there. And then I'm over here saying grades are the most important thing, which in the system as it exists today, they are. And so I don't want people to Mm -hmm. go in blind and not have this tool that they need. But at the same time, it feels very contradictory to this other messaging of it doesn't like your GPA doesn't define you. The grades you get don't define you. You can make a career for yourself. And so I haven't given any thought at all yet to how to sort of marry those two ideas other than like, let's get you the best grades we can. If you're already showing up and you're already here, may as well put in all the work and and do it the right way. And then if you don't get the grades, here are the strategies to still make the most out of this law degree and this legal career.
0: Well, it's almost like if you, I'll say it in this way. So my Facebook ads team, like they have a rule. I promise this is related.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm, I'm here for it. (laughs)
0: Let's just make this about me and my (laughs) strategy, shall we? Right. They have, they're very clear that they only want to work with purpose-driven, heart-centered businesses. And that is because what they said to me when I first met them was, like Facebook is basically evil. I'm paraphrasing here, right? Facebook is basically evil. You don't need to be giving Mark Zuckerberg any more money than you already are. So if that's going to happen, we're going to make it work so that you, a purpose-driven person who wants to make a difference in the world, have more of what you need to make a difference in the world. Mm. So it's like bucking the system a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to use this system that we may or may not agree with in or- because it's what exists in order mm-hmm. to do more in the world right mm, yeah so isn't it true if what we want is to get rid of this idea that prestige matters where you came from matters like that don't we have to use the system that's in place in order to break it
1: I mean yeah I think I think at least what I can do is sort of one individual I think that's where it would have to come from because yes. me just preaching it and just mm-hmm. posting about it, it wouldn't do anything mm-hmm. but if yeah like if that's The mindset or mentality that is sort of underlying all of this. And then those people get out into the world doing amazing things and, and sounds kind of productive, but like high profile things Mm -hmm. and they come from no name law schools. Right. Like how amazing would that be?
0: Yes. So what is it that good grades gets me? I went to a state school, like random state school and I had just for the record, everyone, I did go to a random state school. <laughs> so I'm all for state school. <laughs> really clear. Good so, grades. What does it get me? I wrote down so, choice.
1: Yeah, choice, job opportunities, doors open to the most prestigious and well paid opportunities. You at least get noticed. It's the only ammo in your arsenal as a law student to prove your value and your worth to a brand new employer because there's so little substantive training and experience and every employer across the board will first look at grades to make an initial cut and an initial, initial division of candidates before they start looking at the quote-unquote soft factors of of experience and niche and things like that and so right. if you to get, give yourself the best opportunity to it, even throw your hat in the ring the higher your grades, it just the more power you have.
0: So grades, everything that you just said, but to nutshell it down, mm, like, mm-hmm. good grades gives me more choices, mm-hmm. more confidence, mm-hmm. and more visibility. Yes, and also I
1: guess I would add to that. Maybe it's a little far fetched, but financial freedom. And yeah. so the the yeah big thing is like the average law student has something like two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, and so like to get those jobs that pay the super high salaries in order to pay off that student loan debt completely changes your ability to do what you want with your life when you want to do it. Freedom. Yeah.
0: So I, from where I'm standing, at least today, I can't think of anything better for you to spend your time on <laughs> than helping law students get good grades.
1: So here's a little bit of a wrinkle. And I think this is just my brain being intentionally contradictory one of the rubs and I, and I've rationalized this to myself but in law school the system is graded on a curve meaning that there are only a certain number of a's certain number of b's certain number of c's so even if every law student in the world came to me only 10% of them would be in the top 10% mm-hmm. and so part of me is wrestles with that a little bit that there's no way I could even promise top tier grades even if I wanted to for everybody But then sort of the rationalization, the next thought is, okay, realistically, uh, every lost in the world is never going to come to me. And so I just, I think I just have to trust that there is some sort of connection or reason that the ones who do, do. And the only thing I can control are the students that I have in front of me anyway. And so it doesn't do anybody any good for me to sort of, contextualize or or create hypotheticals around what about all the other students that aren't getting this help? And what about their grades?
0: Mm -hmm, I hear you. No. And I get it because what I wrote down is the system is rigged. (laughs) Yeah. It's stacked. It totally is. And that can also be part of your messaging. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the system is rigged. So the like, let's go all in on the thing you can control, which is getting your best possible grades. And the great thing too is,
1: and I, I've seen this among law students because you might think that that naturally because of that competition and every student is competing against their classmates, that the focus of the, of the energy would be against each other and would be a competition of, you know, person A versus person B. But right. what it tends to be mentally instead is like the person versus the system. It's like I want to beat this course or I want to beat this exam. And so I, it's nice in that sense where, where, even though everyone's competing against each other, that's not how the competition is framed for most people.
0: That's lucky. Yeah, I'm just sitting here feeling so grateful. I did not go to law school. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, to your point, I think there's room here. Like even if the message is, you know, grades are your most powerful asset. Like we want to get them as high as possible, but also maybe some kind of secondary message where even if that doesn't happen, here are all the tools. Like there's so many tools and strategies and examples of ways to make an amazing life, even in the bottom half of your class, you know, like some kind of secondary thing. Or
0: even this like wink and a nod, right? I'm going to help you get good grades Wink, nod, because we all know grades actually don't matter very much, yeah. right? Like, get good grades because we're playing the game here for a bit before yeah. we can break the system. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I want to circle back to the inner work piece here, but so far, what are the concrete commitments that you would like to to make based on what we've talked about?
1: I would like to work on my dream client power statement some more so that I can Try to capture the external benefit of grades, but also the internal benefit. I don't know if that's a feeling or if that, like, if confidence or clarity and maybe there's maybe for that statement there's another piece where you know b- bucking the system or sticking it to the institution or like doing this to play the game you have to play to get where you want and then blow it all up or like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like destroy it like bring it all down or something like that where it's almost like like a rebellion or like a call to action for like, you're doing this thing to find your place in this world that it has a messed up framework. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can, or the best way that you can make an impression in it is to get into it and fix it from the inside out.
0: Yes. So before you jump into the dream client power statement, can you commit to a day in the life? Like, it's oh, really yes. get clear on like what is this person thinking when they work up when they wake up, and how do they spend their day, and what how do they relate to exams? Really getting clear on mm. their experience mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. studying, and air quotes here, getting good grades, and their beliefs around it. And then I think it could even be something with the dream client power statement around giving law students more control. Definitely. Yeah. Cause it, it
1: could not feel more outside your
0: control. It it feels like a total
1: crapshoot going into those exams. There's one exam at the end of the semester, you did four months of something and you don't know if it was right. And then like all you, like they hand do your grades and it's just like this, like God, like figure who is like determining your future. And it just, yeah, it totally feels out of control.
0: So let's do a day in the life, get really clear on who this rebellious law student is who didn't go to the best school and is willing to play the game so they can break break the system, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then dream client power statement. I want, and then maybe play around inside the club, uh, the content amplifier, play around with some of those uh, content frameworks really almost leaning too far into mm-hmm. this anti-establishment contrarian um, messaging, just to see what that feels like, so that you can find your own voice in there. Perfect. Yeah. All right. And now we got to go back to this part of you, <laughs> right? That needs that, and we I see it, right? It's worked well for you, working like valuing prestige and seeing a steps A to Z to accomplish a goal. That has all worked really well for you. And now it's robbing you of enjoying your life and your success. Yeah. So I would love, and I want to give a shout out. There's a a guy named Jack Plotnick who made up this affirmation and it's one of my favorites. I always also feel like such a rebel every time I say it because there's (laughs) a swear word inside. and it's this, I release my need to impress them. And I love it. It's just them, like whoever they are, these faceless people. Right. <laughs> I release my need to impress them. F them. I can hate them if I want to. And that, I, I would never even think <laughs> to say that. It's very harsh and brutal and against. And yet, right. in those moments when I need to be liked really taking that strong stance in the complete opposite direction is almost makes me giddy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just, and so freeing and just so, and also just these people,
1: the thems, they're just ghosts. They're not even real, you know, like they don't even exist and they have so much power. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So my point here is, would you also be willing to set aside some time to just let that part of you do some writing with the intention of clearing the clutter here, yeah, right? So what that might look like is setting a timer for 20 minutes, setting a clear intention. Like today I just want to clear another layer of my need to be impressive. And yeah. then you can just write about that. And then you get to set what you wrote on fire.
1: <laughs> I love that, yeah.
0: <laughs> and let's just see, I mean, let's see how this shifts for you. Because again, we don't want to get rid of it, right? But we need to reassign it. And let's just yeah. see if doing some writing here helps you reassign the energy. Does that Perfect. sound like a commitment you can make? Yes, definitely. Great. I think we kind of got somewhere today.
1: Yeah, we yeah. definitely did. I love, I love, I mean, I know you teach so much about the marketing language. And it sometimes when you hear that, it just can feel so superficial. But it is everything. It just yeah. is because it's, it it defines, you know, this, this feeling and and how to battle it. Like Mm -hmm. the words complete, not only do they completely have power, that absolutely resonates with me because in, in the law, words are everything. And so to be able to really, really focus in on, on that is, is incredible. So thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. And thank you for bringing your whole self to this episode. You are not the only coach who struggles with wondering if their time (laughs) is being wasted. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to Coaches on a Mission. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review. Do all of the things to show your support for this show. It is so helpful for us, and it also helps other coaches find this show. If you want to take this episode further, please follow me on Instagram. I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor. And every week I turn our episode into a week long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So